Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch and email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com and follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. If you watch stuff on Hulu, they've released a documentary about the short-lived Dana Carvey show, which happens to be one of the only TV shows I was ever banned from watching from my parents. It's called Too Funny to Fail, and it's quite interesting with insights from people, from the people involved, like Dana Carvey, Stephen Colbert, and Steve Carell. I recommend checking it out, even if you've never seen a Dana Carvey show, which I believe is also available on Hulu. Today's guest on my first sketch is Dave Metter, currently the host of What's My Line at Good Good Comedy Theater. His first sketch is called Soup Boots, and here is the audio from the actual video. And of course, the video is embedded over at myfirstsketch.com. So let's go to the sketch. Just boots are boring, and just soup is lame, but eating soup from a boot, it's amazing. soup then wear the boots not like that enjoy soup boots on the go at the game with a lover at a party in a waiting room in a gazebo great for all ages too and dishwasher safe so whether winding down from a long day or out for the night with the gang eating soup and wearing boots will never be the same soup boots the first soup to come in a boot Hey, Dave. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me uh, do this. Yeah, no, thanks for doing this. Uh, so, soup boots. Yeah. What does this come from? Um, it. I really like had no notion of doing sketch or even thinking of it as a sketch. Yeah, mostly creatively, what I had done before that was music, and okay. so as it happens, like I would just get like a melody idea in my head. Clearly, probably what this came from was Footloose because it sounds rather sure, melodically sure. similar. And uh, I had just this melody of soup boots, eating soup from a boot. I told my best buddy, Matt, he told me it was really stupid <laughs> and in a way that just pissed me off. And so I went over to my buddy Sam's house and I just thought we I'd record a jingle as yeah. just something fun to do. And so then this jingle was made and I thought, well why don't we sh try shooting it? And I got um, Nick Murphy. From Continue? Yeah. Uh, who I forget how I connected with him. And uh, we shot it. And, you know, it, it is uh, not my proudest moment. But, um, you know, it existed. I put it on YouTube. Um, you had mentioned that there's an award. You got something. You uh, yeah. It, I got notified. <laughs> uh, Mainline Life magazine. Okay. A monthly magazine. Uh did the their line. best of the main line, like best of Philly. Sure. And uh, they contrived a category, like best uh, viral video or best online video. And uh, Soup Boots won that. And so they invited us, Matt and I, because Matt helped produce it, 
to uh, their like best of the main line event, which mm. included like having a table because all the other winners are basically businesses. Right. Right. So it was like we wanted to do it because what the <laughs> hell? But basically, we just had a table, a laptop showing soup boots on a loop, <laughs> a soup boot. And just confused people walk, walking up and be like, oh, what do you sell? Well, nothing. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a boot that has soup in it. And they'd be like, oh, okay. And, uh, and that to, was... Like, I'm sorry. At this point, that scenario is funnier to me than the video. Like, oh, it was This great. idea of like... And so then we also... This almost like mixer of people. Oh, yeah. And, like, and you, you don't have a product to sell. You're just like... There's some funny stuff that we we did today. Like. Yeah, like you know, best landscapers nearby, and someone like handing out dumplings, and it's just like, uh, this is a boot, and uh, that's soup, and uh, and like we spray painted a boot gold and gave it to the editor in chief of the magazine who, uh, you know, picked us picked out the yeah. Video do you somehow. do you have any idea how they found it or like? Um, I mean, I'm sure we you know maybe contacted some little local media t- uh to try to just get attention i think matt might have emailed okay. them uh but for whatever reason the editor took a liking to it and uh it got in that uh mainline life <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i have like a certificate and all that <laughs> it was so dumb that's so fantastic and I really then uh that. and then i think also because matt uh emailed nbc 10 at that time this was in like 2010 yeah. Uh, there used to be a segment segment on the five o'clock news called uh, "Your News," and it was hosted by a woman. She's no longer there. Uh, in which it would be like it was like a five minute segment of like something pleasant yeah. happening locally, and uh, and we were invited to do a segment for this thing, and uh, this is like again the first comedy sort of thing I ever had publicly done, and uh, we go on, and uh, I have Matt s- sitting with me. Uh, eating cold tomato soup out of a boot <laughs> and uh, just like seriously just spooning it into his mouth. And uh, and then also at the end of it, she had to take a, a spoonful of cold <laughs> chowder or whatever out of a soup. And, uh, you know, she's asking like, what's the goal here? And like, you know, and it's like, I don't know. And then uh, this was when um, the whole fallout with Conan and Leno was g- going on. Right, right, right. And yeah. so she's just like, what, what, you know, what would you like to do? And I said, you know, really my interest is like half hour comedy, but, uh, and I had a split second decision if I wanted to say what I was going to say. And I know it was just Philly's NBC affiliate, mm-hmm. but it was still met NBC. They were nice enough to have me, but I was like, all right. And I said, you know, I would love to get, you know, a show on something like NBC because, you know, it'd be cool to do a show for a few months and then get, a few million dollars to leave <laughs> and in the back because the studio is really small yeah and uh you know there's always that with a weather center and you think it's just mm-hmm. like some bullshit they make up uh as like a way but no literally the meteorologist is back there yeah doing work and i say the, the little dig about that and hurricane schwartz gives out a party <laughs> laugh and uh and then as I'm leaving, I'm thinking, uh, what everyone basically all the on-air talent and everybody was just like, so like into it. <laughs> so uh, that was ridiculous. So you mentioned uh, primarily being a music person, like like bands. And, yeah. Uh, what do you play? What do you like? Uh, I mean, I I play guitar, and like? I was I mostly was in, in into like songwriting. I mean, I perform occasionally, but that's not really my interest. I like writing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
but then you know the last five six years i've more so just been doing comedy stuff and then like i'll mess around at home with music Mm -hmm. uh what's after soup boots what's your next introduction to doing something comedy wise um i forget um who was before after but then at some point i matt and i shot like a half hour pilot i wrote that uh uh, you know that didn't uh, is it, does that exist anywhere like uh, other than your, like your lab your there were some technical heart. issues with some footage i think oh and so it ultimately wasn't like complete okay uh, but other than that i um i'd heard uh somebody i went to high school with molly silverman sure yeah uh yeah talk to her i had found out uh Letters. she was doing yeah uh she was doing stuff at this thing called fit and i was just like oh and, you know, when you know someone doing something, it makes you sort of think, well, then I can do that. Yeah. And so then I uh, I went to Fit, and I started seeing a couple things. And at this time, like 2013, they did something um, called, like, Sweeps Week, I think it was called. Okay. In which uh, it was like a tournament of shows, mm-hmm. like a tournament style. Uh, and I submitted a show that was actually called Your News Philadelphia, which was a live fake local news show. Okay. And uh, basically, I we perform it one night, and then there's another show on immediately after it, and then the audience voted who to eliminate. Mm. And uh, we got to the finals, and against DTF, which still exists. And uh, okay, yeah, I do, I do vaguely remember that, like the Sweeps Week. Yeah. Um, but, uh, concept. I always forget the people of interest. Ryan yeah. Barlow's was in it. None of the others still exist. Um, and I mean, I knew like, look. I no, I don't. It's nice that this got this far. There's no way we're gonna beat Daryl. <laughs> Daryl is, you know, one of the co-hosts of DTF. You know, you could just give Daryl a stage and a microphone for two hours, and, and he'll keep you entertained. Fine, and and even in that finals, enjoyable. Timory wasn't even able to be there, so like half the hosts weren't there, and he still. So won. it was just DF at that, like. Yeah, it was just <laughs> down fucking. Um, and so, and then anyway, uh fit invited us and let me uh continue to do the show like every other month Mm -hmm. for a while and um i worked on that with uh jackie baker was the co-host okay and uh not a bad person to have as your co like no if you're going up against daryl and timory yeah and jackie was relatively new too and it was more like i was like i need a co-host i'm gonna play like a surly bitter uh anchor mm-hmm. and i so i need something to contrast that with i want some uh, a woman who can be like overly sweet and saccharine and i saw her and i was like oh she'll work yeah and uh you know we've since become you know like best buddies and uh i assembled a little team of it was uh, her matt schmid sean landis pete rambo uh and uh maybe that was it and so they would help write another good crew of yeah like it was, uh, and, uh, you know, it was an impossible show to do because it was a fully scripted show that at first they expected us to do monthly. Uh, <laughs> and of course at the time I'm like, yeah, we could do that. But then it became like every other month and then eventually it went away for whatever reason. Yeah. And I imagine uh, the turnaround of like having to rewrite and relearn and re-rehearse. And, and there was always a, a tech element because I always like to do like at least one or two like video reports. Yeah. I, I can definitely imagine how that work piles up and becomes daunting and yeah. So sure. although I was like bothered when it ended, I was also a relief because it was unsustainable, and uh, you know it won a couple of the wit outs and 
And so that was like my first real foray into doing Philly anything. Okay. Uh, were you more of a music person or like a comedy person? Like, were you like growing up? Like growing up, I was a basketball player. <laughs> okay. Which uh, I know everyone was some sort of athlete, but like, uh, you know, I um. I used to go to basketball camps and I was offered a partial scholarship to a prep school when I was like 13. Okay. Uh, but uh, I eventually realized I looked at my father and I thought, I was about to say like, I don't want to be a jerk, but like no. I'm assuming point guard or like sure. Muggsy Bogues yeah. kind of. And I had, I was a real good shooter, but I also knew the limitations of how not only my, what my height will be, but my body type. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Muggsy Bogues is five, three, but, but he's, he's a also different like shape than me. Yeah. I, I, I'm more of a potato. And, uh, uh and so but i was always interested in comedy stuff uh i know that in like seventh grade we were given like an open-ended creative writing assignment and i wrote a seinfeld and i wish i could find it but it doesn't exist anymore um i know remember that it was i wish it exists now too like i know i mean i'm sure it was like whenever anyone says i wrote this in high school or middle school i was like i want it i want it now like oh. show me like and uh i ju- the only storyline i remember was and it was based on something that happened when my mom and i went to anthony wayne theater to see for some reason maverick starring mel gibson <laughs> okay i started choking on a piece of popcorn it was yeah. really not like a severe choking but for the sake of drama it was and an old lady sitting in front of us turns around and offers me a dumb dumb lollipop and i take it and i sort of like stick it and i get the, i dislodge it and so some you, you fish it out with the dum dum. Yeah, I mean, again, it or was like, like you know, wrong pipe kind of thing. Yeah, like and uh, so I use that as some ele- story okay. element in the Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, plus, you know, it's a dum dum. Yeah. It's, so, but it's kind of funny. I can and, see the Seinfeld there, like. And I'm in seventh grade. Yeah. Come on, give me a break. And uh, and so and then no, I didn't really start doing music till I was like fifteen, sixteen. Mm. Uh, what else were you watching growing up? Like, I mean, you mentioned Seinfeld, so I'm assuming. Uh, well, certainly it was like Simpsons and Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like between after school, between like either four thirty or five and eight, between the local Fox affiliate TBS and uh, like PHL seventeen, you could watch just either Simpsons and Seinfeld for those two yeah. or three hours, and that was big. Uh. Otherwise, like in terms of film, The Jerk is like my favorite by far right. comedy film. And uh, the other thing was, and this maybe and was like a, in terms of sketch to be germane to the point of this podcast. <laughs> my uncle Tim recorded off of HBO on VHS in like 1980 something uh, a special called "I Martin Short Goes Hollywood." Okay. And um, you know, because Martin Short's all like old Hollywood interested. Mm-hmm. And it's um, a bunch of sketches. There's like a through line, but about being either like a, a an actor trying to get work or a direct like uh, stuff about Hollywood. And I'm presuming he's because I don't think he I've plays a lot it. of the characters. He's in the characters. He does the makeup. Like he's in like a makeup kind of. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Uh, and uh, and Christopher Guest is in it. Catherine O'Hara was in it. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I I'm sure this. Yeah, uh, it's great. And now you can sort of I think you can find most of it on YouTube, but. Yeah. Uh, used to watch that constantly. Mm. And so like Martin Short has always been like a big, uh, I've been a big fan of. I mentioned like, there's, there, I don't read a lot, but when I do, it's generally biographies. Have you read Martin Short's yeah. recent biography? Like, yeah. And it's, it was really great. I mean, uh, uh, I don't recommend reading that one on a plane. 
Because you know that story of like how people get like more emotional on planes, like they'll cry at movies and stuff. Yeah, it was sad. Full emotional. on bawling at the end of that book. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's tough about when his, his wife, wife dies. Uh, like, I'm just like, oh no, and how greatest love ever's over. Like, and I think was it Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn or some something like that. Yeah, couple like, uh, and some big scene of him landing at some like place where they vacation. Everyone's yeah. out with candles. Like, and, uh, and it's clear like, and from other stuff you hear and see and read, it's like. He seems like he's genuinely the nicest guy out yeah, there. He, yeah, he's on that list of not jerks. Yeah. Like. And, uh, yeah, that and, I mean, Born Standing Up, Steve Martin's mm-hmm. book, is amazing. Um, So it's a, so there's a period of, you know, pursuing music and, uh, as your as your time, like, yeah, I mean, as I, your hobby, as your whatever you want to call it. If like, I had the nerve, I wanted to go to, like, Berkeley for mm-hmm. music. But for whatever reason, I thought that, just getting a history degree would be more practical, which <laughs> might as well just on the music school thing. Um, so in your writing song, are, are you trying to write comedic songs? Never. Like other outside of Almost like, never. I mean, I wrote the stupid jingle for soup boots. Right. So and, that's like your first foray of like yeah, being and, silly almost. And like, having some capacity to write music is useful because sometimes you need some sort of piece of music with uh, some comedy thing mm-hmm. you're doing. But no, uh, by and large, I'm not a big fan of, uh, like, I like musicals, but, like, musical comedy stuff. Sure. like I, I mean, like, Weird, Weird Al's great, okay. but, like, there's very few things that I, I want to like, put Like, because there's, there's a difference between, um, you know, I think, like, Bo Burnham got into this a bit when he was just getting started. Nick Thune, I think. Uh, there's, like... The, the the guitar guy in the sketch up in, right. in stand up like that usually I'm like ready to change the channel like where like oh here's a funny song I wrote versus like or Dimitri Martin how he just plays guitar to fill silence yeah that's like, like fine in a way because it's not like about that it's yeah. just so but yeah no like I don't need to hear so that's song never about been your tiny penis or whatever <laughs> so that's never been like a an interest of yours like hey no. I'll get up and no combine no, those no. two things at all like no way. <laughs> Okay. Are you sure? Ugh. I can't talk you into it. Nah. Uh, all right. Um, so you currently do, like, your big project now uh, is What's My Line, as as <laughs> yeah. far as I as yeah, far yeah. As I know, unless sure. like, there's something I'm missing. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not much well, of a project. I mean, like, yeah. like that's how that's how I know you from. Yeah, that's the thing I do in public. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the... Well, okay. Let me, oh, no, I'll get back to it. Uh where do you go from your news Philadelphia to what's my line? So your news Philadelphia ended in, uh, the last one was, uh, January, 2014. Okay. Uh, and it was, uh, so that was like the first month after fit opened at the Adrian mm. and it ended, uh, on for what, uh, on difficult terms. And, uh, but you know, uh, they were very welcoming of the idea. Like it just didn't work out. And you know, if you have a different idea and you want to do something, that's great. And so in like just April or May of that year, I started doing what's my line. Cause it was a show I always liked. It's a show I thought would translate very well. Where are you introduced to what's my line? Like as a kid, cause um, like it would re-air a lot on game show network at like okay, 11 so it is purely or on game midnight. Show network stuff, and my dad liked it. So we'd watch it sometimes. And this is like the full on 1950s. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of the, the host's name. It but was like, John Charles Daly. Okay, because I know Betty White's on like a decent amount of them. Like uh, maybe later years, like, but it was really like the mainstays uh, were Bennett Cerf, who okay. founded Random House. 
Uh, Dorothy Kilgallen, who was a famous investigative reporter who died under really mysterious circumstances, she was the only person to get to interview, um, not Lee Harvey Oswald, the guy who shot Oswald, Jack Ruby, Jack, okay. in jail. And she all of her papers were gone after she died of oh, a supposed weird. overdose. Um, Arlene Francis, who was an actress. She, okay, she's the one I can remember. Yeah, like, she looked... Because like all their name, I can picture all their nameplates on the on the table being Miss Francis yeah. or like Mister so and so. Those three were around a lot, and then a lot of times her husband Martin Gable, who was like a producer or something, yeah. and uh, Steve Allen would be on, who was awesome, mm-hmm. and then sometimes like Groucho or uh, whoever. I remember like Tom Poston. I've I've seen episodes with like yeah. Tom Poston or like where I'm just like, wow, that guy was around that long yeah. ago. Like he was a funny dude. Oh uh, man, like. Because and I, and you telling me that there one was a, a publisher and one was a reporter, I was like surprised me because I just assumed that they were all actors and actresses. No, nah, like, like because back then you didn't have to be physically attractive to be on TV. Right, they were able to just go with who's smart and like clever and quick enough. Because on a show like that, I guess you kind of do want to have some kind of investigative aspect to it. Like, Dorothy Kilgallen was incredible. There were episodes or uh, rounds where it would start with her and she would just meticulously go mm-hmm. and go and not get a single no answer and get it. Okay. Wow. Like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Cause now I think yeah. the most recent, what's my line. Cause I think they've, they've redone in the last like 10, 15 years. They tried it. I don't think but it, it was, aired, but they it was like all it. comedian. Like it was all comedy or yeah, actors probably. again. Like, which I mean, so, I mean, I just thought I'm trying to do like a comedy show and I'll just, you know, worst case if, they're not great at the game element it'll mm-hmm. be funny and fun yeah. uh where do, when do you pitch this when does it start Just i want to say may 2014 okay um do you remember the first guest that you had like um on the first show i think uh one of them was i had a uh, a guy who was like oh you know my friend dan who owns a pr- prom dress business or at the time it was just prom dresses but he just he looks like a dude who does philly comedy yeah in other words a at the time maybe slightly pot-bellied uh <laughs> bearded fellow who you wouldn't well uh, you know connect with right. prom dresses. sure uh my friend jen who owns a lingerie store and i forget who else how do you find like i mean you just mentioned that two of the two of your first ones were friends yeah i shouldn't have used those up so quick but like how do you find people to do the show how do you hunt down your 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 guests? Uh, there's a handful of ways. Typically, I'll think of a, a unusual sort of job or an interesting job, and I'll just think, you know, beekeeper. I'll Google beekeeper Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. There will be maybe four, five people that show up. I copy-paste an, an email to all of them, and hopefully one of them is interested. So you're just cold calling and random jobs you think or, of. Yeah, I'll, I'll read philly.com. Or if I have the Inquirer, mm. there's a lot of I get out of that. Um, those are the two biggest ways. And then sometimes I'll get something because someone recommends it. Uh, but those are the main ways. And yeah, it's it's just you know cold call, and it's amazing how many people are just willing to take the time to do it. Yeah, I mean on one hand, like it is, it could be free advertising for your thing, that. like. But for the most part. You shouldn't do it. I don't know how if you're not just gonna go successful. It's going to be like yeah. I mean, because uh, what was it? Uh, I saw a couple months ago, months ago. You had, you were you weren't there for you know whatever personal reason. Uh, Matchman was hosting, and one of the guests uh, designed clutches. Yeah, 
and like there's a part of me that like thinks like oh that's a really random I got him because I think there was a Philly.com article because uh, he had he just had made the yeah, clutch he, for Linda Carter for the Wonder yeah, Woman premiere. And, but at the same time, like I was thinking, none of us are going to buy a clutch from and him. And they're like, expensive. That's what, then that, that was the first thing I thought of was like, so this for, isn't advertising for him anymore because it's So sometimes totally, people say no. Sometimes people, almost, a lot of times people don't reply, but sometimes people will say no because I have stage fright or whatever. But uh, no, someone like him, it was, oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I think he had like his full family there. He looked like he had a good time and enjoyed himself. So I've like never had somebody. I've had like 120 guests, and like oh my gosh, yeah, uh, and uh, never had a problem with anybody. You know, sometimes people cancel uh, last minute. Mm. Uh, sometimes the reasons seem spurious, but who knows? <laughs> and uh, you know, nobody has been like annoyed with how it went or mm. pissed at jokes the panel makes or sure. anything. Because uh, if you're going to agree to do that, you're pretty cool about it. Is that. there a particular guest that has been, like, especially memorable for you? or like? I mean, having Dave Raymond, who was the original and creator of the Philly Fanatic. Okay. Because, I, you know, I've lived in and around Philly my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I don't think there – if we say the Fanatic's a person, Fanatic would be, like, the mayor if there was a vote. Yeah. He's the mm-hmm. most, like, beloved between children and all ages. Yeah. Uh, and he created him, and he was him for like thirty years. And uh, the panel also, they were down to they. So on the show, you get ten no answers, mm-hmm. the, and after ten no answers, we reveal it to the panel what the job is. And uh, the panel was down to one no, and they were flirting with the idea of a mascot. And uh, Alex Perlman was on the panel, and he was like, "Could it be that uh, the Sixers mascot, which at the time was hip hop, the, the, the yeah the, is, the rabbit they that... thankfully put down, and." Uh, and, and Perlman, and one of them was like, uh, something like, no, I, that, that, they suck. And I'm thinking, <laughs> good thing I didn't book hip-hop. And then some, and someone's like, oh, what if what if it's the fanatic? And Perlman says, there's no way Metter has that kind of pull. <laughs> and I'm like, and those are one of those moments where I can just sort of turn, like, without making it clear to the panel, I just sort of look at the audience. And just by just moving my eyes to them, I get a big laugh because they know what the job is. And so they're like, is it the fanatic? And I go, Yes. And there's a picture, we still have it, of uh, the panel jumps up. Kate Bamford was on it, Nikki Black. Uh, Perlman runs across the stage immediately, embraces <laughs> Dave Raymond, and picks him up. Tim Butterly jumps up, proceeds to run backstage of the green room of Fit, walk, run through the green room, back in through the other door, just like uproarious <laughs> excitement, because that's the type of reaction people get from the fanatic. What else do you do comedy-wise, like... Um, yeah, I've, uh, you know, there's other stuff through the years. Like I was in like a sketch group for a minute. Wait, like what, what, uh, what, what's it called? What's, um, that was, um, how bad of an experience was it? Like, oh, the experience was fine. It was just short lived. Uh, it was, there, it was called iron potato iron. Okay. Which I, was, um, basically helium had asked John McKeever who had been in a group called Bird Text with Luke Cunningham and Tommy Pope. And this was after Luke Cunningham left. At the time, he was uh, uh, writing for Jimmy Fallon's late night show before he got the The, the 1230, yeah. And uh, so their group was sort of all over the place. Tommy was doing like national stand-up stuff. And so the owners of Helium were like, look, John, put together a sketch group. We'll fund the sketches and like the production and we'll put them on our page. Uh, and like we'll take money from typical uh, standard advertising and we'll do that sure so uh, i had met john and uh f- 
forced on him like a half hour spec I had written to just show him like hopefully make him think that I'm worth a damn. And he put together a group and uh, I was asked to come in and uh, we meet and nobody knows who I am because at that point I hadn't done much in public and it was me and uh, John, Tim Butterly, Mary Rudzinski, Aaron Nevins, and James Heskey who were like a lot of the funniest people. really funny stand-ups and stuff. Yeah. But not necessarily... Well, I realized one thing... How to sketch work with them versus... Right, and I realized... Because John is, I think, the most uh, well-rounded, talented comedy person in Philly because he can do literally everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he realized... I've got a lot of people that are supremely funny, but maybe they don't necessarily have much experience writing scripts. Mm -hmm. I met this guy who does. So I think I was brought in to just sort of help with... Sure, absolutely. uh, That. Um, But... um, because that in that room you're going, you're going to get killer jokes and stuff. Like, yeah. So as long as someone generates a premise, the punch up process is going to be has to become a story or at least to an extent. Like, yeah. Like there was one premise somebody came up with, and I was thinking, oh man, I wish I could spend the next week working on it before our next meeting. And that person came in with what they wrote, and I'm thinking, they got good jokes, but it's ah. And I was yeah. so confused, and I thought, oh, just as I would have no clue how to do stand up, maybe they just don't at this point have a great sense of how to you know, pace and mm-hmm. put together a sketch. Now, did you do any of the classes that like fit or no, no. So it's, this is all just, so where do you learn how to write a, a script? Uh, Oh yeah. So I think, um, at some point in college, cause a lot of my music friends growing up were several years older than me and way more talented and way more hardworking. And I saw them really struggle. A friend of mine, uh, he left this band. He'd been in forever and finally took a deal as a solo artist with at the time was Mercury Records, which had just come back mm-hmm. as an imprint of Def Jam. And Jay-Z was the CEO of Def Jam. And uh, so my friend had all these lofty stories and basically they screwed him over mm-hmm. after a change at the top because the new guy wanted to put all the money they had towards, because a, a memo got leaked and it said, take all the the budget allocated for my friend for Mariah Carey's next release. So my friend's debut album came out on a Tuesday. They dropped him that Friday. Wow, that's it was rough, and uh, but that, that, but that, it was smart maybe business wise in terms of that Mariah album sure. sold many millions. Right, like but and you hear stories about that like in the music business and in movies. Like, right. So if this friend, my most like talented musician friend, was gonna get screwed, what I and so anyway, I had like a stupid idea for a movie. I had no screenwriting experience, mm-hmm. and so I decided to try to write a movie, which. Uh, you know, I never probably fully finished the script, but I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I've read books, and it was trial and error. And then like you're just write, like reading like Robert McKee's story or whatever other screenwriting yeah, books you can whatever find, you save can the find, cat, whatever. And uh, I w- it was just like trial and error, and then putting stuff up, li- uh, putting stuff up live and trial mm-hmm. and error. And I've had a couple like mentor type people who I was able to send a, uh, like a spec I'd write. And they'd give me notes, and I'd send it back and forth and back and forth, mm. and go through forty rewrites. And uh, you'd actually write—that's uh, the part I haven't gotten to yet—is the rewriting. Like you can't any, write anything, anything I've that. like I've written. Like I've got first drafts of a couple different things, and I just can't like bring myself to go through it and like put in that extra effort of like. Well, 
you have to. I know. Is, I, is that, how, that's <laughs> why nothing has gotten right. further than. And then, but also it can be tough because it's like you you only can see it in one way. So then there's the whole idea. Well, take a step back from it for a couple weeks and then go with yeah. fresh eyes. But still, so getting an outside perspective helps. And then, like when I was writing this one spec after maybe the 18th revision, uh, me and the person helping me realized there was a like a fatal flaw in one of the storylines in mm-hmm. the episode, and it was a curb your enthusiasm. So one storyline deeply impacts how another one mm-hmm. it gets weaved so i basically you know when you encounter that it's like talk about not wanting to yeah. go but it's like you've invested so much time and uh so you're writing like spec scripts for tv shows like that's the only thing i really want to do uh you know i love doing what's my line but being a game show host has never been the goal here right uh if there is a goal it's i want to write half hour television comedy it's basically like Seinfeld and the Simpsons is, I feel like, you know, was the babysitter and a mm. uh, huge influence. And uh, that's, I feel like uh, I might not be the funniest guy around, but I think I have a capa- some capacity for the, the process of writing. And, uh, you know, I've written a few specs of shows that are very different from each other. And I think, a, a, you know, important thing is to be able to write in other people's voices. Yeah. Because uh, anybody can write an original spec. Absolutely. of their own but how many people get their own deal to write a pilot you're, original you're pilot? definitely not doing that right away like, right and uh it's hard enough to even get like a job writing for a show but most likely you're going to write for someone else's idea mm. uh and so the people told me who were sort of giving me some advice that you know you have to learn to do that so that's what's, what i try to do what's the most recent spec show you've done uh it ended, but I had written like a workaholics, which is rather outside of my natural voice, but that's mm-hmm. the point. Yeah. And right now I'm I'm plotting out a Bob's Burgers. Like everything I've ever written, no, I've read a couple of things saying that like pick a show first or second season. Like I've done that. Like that can seriously backfire because yeah. <laughs> you don't want to have a, sh- a bunch of shows that are no longer on the air. Mm. So you have to sort of think, I did that. I wrote a... Uh, an episode of a show called Welcome to Sweden, which was a yeah, show the Amy, Amy Poehler's, Poehler's brother. brother. Yeah, and it had been picked up for another season, so I thought this is safe. They fully produced the season. They only aired maybe one episode, and yeah. they canceled it. So, I I want to say they dumped it on iTunes or something. Like they dump, did dump it somewhere, but they do that occasionally. Where they're like, all right, here's free episodes. Just right. download them all and whatever. So like, it. it it make it renders that script sort of uh, <laughs> done, but it's still. But Bob's Burgers, I, I know for one thing, they're contracted for two more seasons, and then they just announced a movie to yeah. come out in twenty twenty. So that's my goal. Yeah, the thing, uh, if something's been around a while, it's harder to spec. I don't know if that right, is right, discouraging. Right. Uh, and the other thing is like, whatever the number one comedy television comedy in terms of rating is, or like for a while it was like everyone was specking Modern Family. Yeah. You wouldn't want to spec it because there's so many specs and therefore people are reading a million of them. Right, and th- and I think that's part of the reason why you go for the newer shows. Like, yeah. Like, there was a point where so everyone was So then yours has to really Raymond, stand out. You know, everyone was doing Raymond, Modern Family. Two and a half men, probably. Big Bang, I'm sure. Like, But uh, I feel like Bob's Burgers is maybe... It's still low enough. A little enough, in between, yeah. and I had never... It's a type of show I'd never tried writing before, uh, and it's a show I actually like. Yeah. Um. 
and it feels safe because also because it's animated. Animated shows are able to go much longer. And you longer can do whatever you Because need they don't and... get constrained by the crazy costs of Matt mm-hmm. LeBlanc wanting a million dollars. You know, everybody on Friends That's or why whatever. Simpsons has been in the space. And sure. that's why, like, uh, what are you watching now that you're into? I mean, you know, Curb uh, yeah, is my the favorite. The new season holds up, like. Uh, I'm loving the season. Uh, uh, you know, South Park is on right now and uh i'm really glad they're back to being episodic and not doing these uh you know season long mm-hmm. that full arcs yeah that fully failed last season and they admit it i i think i watched like two episodes of last season i was just like you know what i'm not uh but whatever those guys i'll be back later like i'll see you guys next month year yeah it didn't it didn't work uh nathan for you i think is awesome mm-hmm. uh otherwise you know other than that like bob's burgers there aren't a lot of like current shows yeah i don't i don't watch bob's burgers is like one of my few like appointment viewings now like yeah it's not really necessarily so much an appointment but it's like because i'm specking it there's a new one coming up i'm gonna watch it i'm not gonna wait until like right whenever so because i'm specking it i'm making myself i have to watch every episode so Hmm. i i've got them all i'm on in like season three there's like 120 episodes but i can't when you spec something i don't want to repeat a storyline or establish uh that something like uh, Bob uh, Bob gets big into tanning when it's been established that he hates tanning. Yeah, you can't you can't go crazy and change the Bible of the show. Right. Like, so like yeah. you can't have Bob and Linda divorce. That's another reason you don't want to write a show that's been around a while because you have to sit down and watch. You have to, you have to know the Bible of it. Yeah. Right. Um, like so, the half hour comedy. Like, are you open to moving to L.A. to? do it or do you want to like well I start mean, something here uh of course i mean the odds of something happening here are slim to none abby jacobson who i like semi knew growing up she's from philly from right, Broad right, City. right 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 but right. you know she wasn't yeah she she immediately went up to new york uh for college and stayed there she, she's not like a philly comedy you're, person you're not gonna be like hey i know you from so-and-so i mean if Here's i see her, spec- i would love like, to talk to right, her but, but like uh you're not gonna cold call and be like Here's a spec script because that's kind of a jerk thing to do. I'm sure. She's yeah. Although, I mean, everybody tells you you should got to do that. Yeah. But um, and then you know, like, there's the Goldbergs, but you know, the, things don't come from here. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, and they're not shooting here, so it's not even. So the only way is you got to network. In networking here for that, seeking that isn't gonna get you anywhere. Yeah. So that, and I mean, my brother is out there. I've got uh, some family, um. So I think about it a lot. But, you know, I think um, Tom Lennon and uh, Robert Grant from the state and right now when they wrote a book about writing for I think it's called like writing movies for fun and profit. Yeah. Uh, and like the first chapter is like, you have to move to L.A. Like you can't yeah. do this anywhere. And I was just like, oh, I don't. Yeah. The only way I it like seems like you could uh, get in from not being living in L.A. is if you're a stand up, you can gain traction by yeah. like getting in festivals and then getting representation. Uh if you hit something on the web, either a sketch that goes huge or you make a web series, then borders don't Has matter. that been uh, uh, an option for you? Have you been thinking about a web I've, series? I've versus... thought about it and I've had some false starts, but I, I don't, I can't really wrap my mind around trying to le- like do like a, a series in which episodes are five minutes. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I never got too into sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just not a big on that format. I like being able to develop things more. Okay. Um, so so all of the constraints of time that I'm worried about 
and why I like sketch is oh, you know, yeah. they're, they're such a short thing and like like they're not as pithy and ephemeral and temporary as improv but I'm also not devoting my entire year to a project like you know there's a, a middle ground there where I can work on a couple sketches over a, couple, a month and yeah and I certainly watched a bunch of sketch going up but it's it was never like a lot of my friends who do sketch they love sketch and for whatever reason it's not it's not been something I found the, when I did it. I loved it. I mostly did it because you can actually produce it yeah. and put it up. Uh, Another. And you can yeah. learn from it. But otherwise, you know, it, it's especially like, I, I'm just a really tough critic on everybody and myself. And, uh, <laughs> you know, not, forget whatever percentage of sketches I end up thinking are good. Mm. But like the amount of sketches that have a, that somehow end in a way that's redeeming is really it's the few. hardest part of sketch comedy for sure. And, and uh, yeah, and it's just in, inherently hard, but uh, I, it's just too frustrating yeah. for me. That's fair. Um, we missed out on it earlier. Well, who's your favorite center live cast member? Um, I mean, Phil Hartman was amazing. Uh, I think I, so I, I'm a big Norm Macdonald fan. I thought his novel that he recently put out was. So I haven't read that yet. Oh, it's so great. I mean, uh, it's funny in the way it, that that's Norm's like the voice. fake memoir yeah. kind of thing. But it's like legitimately a very good yeah. novel, and uh, and I watch his uh, Norm Macdonald live on YouTube. He often says that he thinks Dana Carvey was the best SNL cast member ever. Hmm. He got the most laughs, and the more I rewatch stuff, it's like, yeah, he was a pretty pretty <clears throat> strong. In terms of like the type of things you need to do to excel on that. Right. He he is a Danny Carvey is a comedian that is built for that show. Totally. Um to the point where a lot of the things that he's done after the show it, are nowhere near yeah. the heights that he'd got on SNL. Like And uh but also, you know, growing up I we had a VHS of the best of Gilda Radner and uh a couple other people I forget. And we also had this my brother and I had this C D ROM of it was like SNL's uh, 20th anniversary or something. Okay. And it was, it was a CD-ROM. It was a CD-ROM wow. and it had however many sketches on it. Uh, like, you know, um, the Jaws sketch and like Carvey doing Chop and Broccoli mm-hmm. and whatever else. Which was his first episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And uh, so we used, I used to watch that a lot. And uh, But yeah, those guys would be my favorite. And then, and then yeah, I mean, in terms of Weekend Update, Norm is the best um so with the process of writing uh you know sitcom length projects and hosting a game show dipping your toe in sketch a little bit that helium what's something you've learned about comedy or that's something that comedy has even taught you about life that you could pass about on to, life yeah we can go existential if you want to like, I, I didn't expect that i thought you were just gonna say something i've learned like uh, you know um, if you want to be just you know production wise versus existential uh well for one thing, between stuff in music I like and stuff in comedy I like, and uh, I guess generally are like creative artistic stuff, I'm a big fan of brevity, and also like minimalism stuff. So, like m- one of my favorite bands is Spoon, and they're very minimal. Uh, although people might, although some of his work is totally not this. Kanye West, uh, he's a big fan of a uh, like approaching things in a minimalist way and just really getting it down to the core elements mm-hmm. and uh which is why like, his album Yeezus is one of my favorites uh because 
it might sound like there's a lot going on, but he just knows how to like, there might be like only four or five things happening, but it just sounds so big and complete. Mm. Um, and the same applies for whether it's a sketch or a scene and, or in an episode or a whole episode. Uh, the idea of like, you have to really go with the only, th- the things that matter, no extraneous stuff, no matter how funny you think a little joke is, if it doesn't move a story forward, you have to kill your baby and get rid of it. And, uh, I mean, I don't necess- I don't really think this and apply it to life, but I'm sure there's a, a parallel that could be made about sticking to what's important mm. uh, or something. But, uh, <laughs> you know, otherwise it's like, you know, with comedy and like being active, a lot comes down to, you know, making, f- having f- good friends and people you can collaborate with. Uh, like, you know, I've been able to become good friends with Jackie and Matt or... Uh, being able to work with someone like I have Tim Butterly on what's my line all the time. And he's the funniest dude I know. And it's, it's a pleasure getting to mess around with people like that. And I assume that if they didn't like, uh, like me at all as a person or my instincts or my, you know, the content I'm putting together, they wouldn't participate. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, I'm sure I could be less of a dick and I would be, a lot better off if I wasn't as much of a dick, but you can always improve. And uh, <laughs> so I guess don't be a dick would be one. And uh, but at the same time, fuck everybody if they don't like what you do, <laughs> because if you care too much about that, it, you're you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot. And then why do you do this? Like, like, and I'm I'm gonna be totally open here, like. Uh, what's my line came out and I was kind of like, Oh, he's just stealing like oh, totally. an idea. And then someone else that did another like old game show at fit, like, and it was a one-off. It was like a quick, uh, like something fell out. So they just like got a group of people together just to do a quick show. And now like I'm joking cause at uh, black Friday comedy, I'm doing a game show. Oh, uh, well, well, well. So, yeah. So I've totally come around. Like, I think game shows are very underrated. I was talking to Alex Grubart about it cause he's, he hosts Weeding Out the Stoned, and he sure, hosts, yeah. he's hosted other game shows. He's excellent at hosting these game shows. And, you know, because ultimately, instead of just having a traditional show that a is a panel ones show, at, at you have a game stuff, going like, yeah. uh, And for whatever reason, they're looked down upon. Obviously, I completely co-opted an existing thing, but I figured uh, it's something everybody of our, most people of our age don't know exists. So it's just something novel. I yeah. was a history major. I like looking back to the past to learn stuff and find interesting stuff uh and it was a show i like to watch with my dad and uh so it has some sentimental value but um i don't even know if you asked a question or whatever it was uh why <laughs> do you do it why do i do it i do what's my line because i mean i genuinely like it and uh, it's something that make makes it so i'm definitely gonna get on stage and do something every month and exercise that muscle and i also get to uh play around with people i really enjoy and think are funny and I get a chance to book comedians on the panel who maybe I've never worked with, or maybe I don't know very well, or maybe I've never even spoken to, mm. but uh, I'm able to invite them on. And if they're willing, I can connect with them. And that's fun in and of itself. And it's also, I'm sure valuable for like networking other, but no, even, even though I don't like put up much sketch anymore, I still write stuff. I don't know. It's just a, like a compulsive thing. Yeah. So you have to write. I guess. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, writing a half hour can be grueling. 
Mm. Uh, That's why I so, don't do it. That's why I do sketch. Right. So <laughs> although I would love there to be an end game where I get a career out of it, uh, I know the odds aren't always is in anybody's favor. So clearly I just must enjoy doing it. And that you like, so no career, if, you know, worst case scenario, no career. Yeah. Are you fine with this being your hobby? Uh, sure. There's a, there's a difficulty with hobby. Cause like, I'm I know certain people look down on the word hobby, but like, I, f- I feel like a lot of people treat their hobbies with way more reverence than they do their jobs and like their occupations. Like, well, if the option, so you just have to be, I just have to be realistic about what, what the options career ideal, uh, hobby, which means I have a different career and I do this like extracurricularly, uh, or don't do it at all. Uh, right. I'll take the hobby. Board. Right. The career ideal is that your hobby, the thing you do to, that you love becomes what you get paid for. And, you know, your paycheck and your livelihood, but like the stuff you say, so you still love it enough that it's your yeah, free I mean, time. If, like, cause I mean, look, I've, I've done 30 some what's my lines and I know that's not in and of itself going to advance me in any way. Mm-mm. So I obviously do it because I enjoy it. Um, so uh, obviously most of it just comes from, you like doing it. I mean, uh, I'm on a podcast right now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> fun night with friends. It's yeah, like why not? And, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not about to start exercising. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Sure. <laughs> Dave Metter will host the next What's My Line at Good Good Comedy on November 11th at 7 p.m. He told me a couple of the plans for the show, and it sounds like a fun one. Tickets are available at goodgoodcomedy.com. You can see me hosting Big Freaking Quiz during Black Friday Comedy Marathon, Saturday, November 25th, at about 2.25 p.m. It's kind of a pub quiz looking back at the clogged toilet that has been 2017. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. For more information about comedy in Philly in general, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And you can like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.